What's up, guys? My name is Thomas. I'm at MP Watch on Instagram, and uh, I love watches. And today, I have the great opportunity to sit here with my friend Andrew, who I've known for uh, a couple of months now uh, from Instagram, and just talking about watches. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Andrew. Dude, of course. I'm I'm glad to have you. We've been talking for a while. It's been it's been good conversations. Yeah, I definitely love uh, chatting with our group on Instagram, the Humble Watch Group. It's just a bunch of guys who talk about, you know, different things coming out, different stuff they've seen, pricing, stuff they want to buy. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a bunch of nerdy friends, basically, talking about watches. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's just jump into things. Um, I'm just going to start off with the typical question. What was your first watch? So my first watch was a, um, okay, so the first luxury watch that I ever purchased was at auction, and it was a Rolex Datejust two-tone. Um, I think the model was a 16103, and it had a champagne dial with yellow gold stick hands and fluted bezel, and it was a really cool watch. and. Um, yeah, it was the first watch I ever purchased. It was just, yeah, I really admired it. I really loved the perfection of Rolex. And it was an unpolished watch, which I didn't really appreciate at the time because I knew nothing, nothing. And I still know nothing, but I really knew nothing back then. <laughs> so I really got a, you know, a great first watch and I got lucky. It was working well and everything kind of fell into place. But yeah, Rolex Datejust. One six one zero three two tone on a Jubilee bracelet. The Jubilee bracelet was like all sloppy, but you can't win it all, you know. Yeah, no, that's only so, a beautiful first luxury piece for sure. Yeah, that, kinda, yeah. that definitely leads me into my like next question: Is is Rolex your favorite watch to wear now, or what is your favorite watch now as a as a seasoned collector, as I would say? I mean, I'm not really seasoned. I think I've only owned maybe like four watches in my life and not all at the same time. You know, I think the most watches I ever owned at once was three. But anyways, um, right now I think my favorite thing to wear is, I do have a Breitling Navitimer 806 in 18 karat yellow gold. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's one of those things that it has its issues and problems. And as someone who really appreciates the correctness of a watch, having something that's like incorrect really bugs me. But I mean, honestly, it gets a lot of compliments. And the black dial is cool with the you know gold case and the slide. It's all it's a really interesting watch to look at. But the incorrect hands, the incorrect case, and the incorrect. Um, uh, just, just the correctness overall is too much of a bother to me to really like love the watch. So, yeah. So right now that is my favorite to wear. I think as far as what my favorite watch is, that's just out and about. Honestly, white gold Rolex Presidential blue dial. White gold. Ooh. I yeah. Like what? What? Why do you like white gold versus steel? What's the um, I kind of like how it's just the gold. I don't. I don't know. I think I just like the fact that it's blue, and you can only have a blue dial if it's white gold with Rolex. That's kind of their rule of thumb with all their models that they do in white gold. You see the white gold Submariner that's also in blue. So if you see the you know platinum day date, it's in a lighter blue. So just if you kind of are well versed with Rolex, you know that certain watches like are tough to get a hold of because of just, you know, the fact that they're of a precious metal. So, um, you know, like rose gold models are a little bit tougher to get a hold of sometimes. And obviously white gold's a little bit less popular. Yellow gold's, you know, seems to be a little bit more available. So, yeah, 
sure. But yeah. I like the yeah. look. You can definitely tell the difference between like white gold and steel. For a long time, I was very arrogant on there's no difference. But when you put them side by side, you can see the the crispness of the white gold versus the steel. I mean, when you look at a bezel, that's the biggest, you know, indicator to me. Because if you see a steel bezel on a Rolex, which is usually smooth, but they also make the reeded or coined edge bezel, you don't have the luster and the shine and the depth of a white gold high polish fluted bezel. That really, you know, it shimmers in the light and it looks good. It really puts a lot of like quality into the watch in my opinion I think it just shows off finishing and stuff like that so yeah yeah for sure I mean yeah can't argue with that is yeah but my blue day date I just want to say I saw one of them today yeah it was stickers all over it that's the reason why it was on my mind because I was like wow that thing is just beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful watch this is, this and it's is a, a bit subtle than yellow gold and rose gold, you know? Yeah. That's like super ashy. This, it's like, ah, whatever, stainless steel watch, who cares? But if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, if you know, you know it's not just stainless steel. I love it. What, this is a random thought, but this is around the topic of Rolex. Um, what do you think of the Air King that they came out with a few years ago? The new style Air King? Yeah. That's just lovely larger with the green hands yeah I mean I think it's cool I think it's I like that they made the Air King like a like strong man watch like everything else is you know it's good that they updated it it needed to be updated the Air King's I think the Air King's a really really like undervalued understated watch I mean it's done a lot throughout its history you know what I mean like it's it's always been a good watch for just that like everyday wear for a lot a lot of people when they got started off I feel like everyone who ended up collecting on a you know like really passionate level kind of ran into the date and the Datejust and the Air King and all of these like simpler models so it's good that they made it bigger and stronger and more modern you know I think that's awesome yeah. But it's like a five thousand dollar watch now, isn't it? Yeah, I think brand new it's about six thousand. Yeah, so yeah. like yeah, that's I mean That's still on the cheaper side, but still. Yeah, I know. Nowadays look at look at the date just two. That's some date just twos are ten thousand dollars if it's two tone. And then yeah. the steel date just is date just two is like sixty eight hundred, seventy eight hundred, depending on condition and dial, but even Submariners, ceramic Submariners are now very expensive watches, you know? Yeah. Even without a date. No date Submariners can be in the high sixes and even into the sevens. So, yeah. It's a very interesting market. So what's your thoughts on uh, the Bezel World releases that just came out? The Rolex GMT and Steel and whatnot. Well, we were talking about it in our watch group, and I felt like the common consensus was the Rupier GMT could have been way cooler and better, and the Steel Pepsi kind of screwed a lot of white gold buyers. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. <laughs> I think besides that, I mean, I saw that... Bulgari actually made a really, really insane, like, meteorite carbon minute repeater watch that is just, like, insane. Like, and I don't even really like that stuff, but the fact that they made it a repeater is just sick. I mean, it's just awesome. It's awesome that they're, like, really... Like making some crazy stuff. I mean, this watch looks like it's made out of stone. It's the, it's very hard to describe, and you ha- and you have to just kind of like look it up and check it out. But man, it's a watch. It's cool. It's That's cool. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like the whole bezel world, you really got taken over by 
the Rolex GMT that just came out, and not a lot of people got the praise they deserved. Yeah, I mean, Rolex is number one, no matter what you say. Yeah. In my opinion, I just think... No, it's true. I mean, in, in everyone's opinion, whether they like it or not, they are. I mean, look at the market. Yeah. You see a lot of Rolexes time and time again rising in uh, value. So, and other models other brands and other models it's a hit or miss sometimes you know it's true yeah i mean they're they're a marketing genius and they're they're a staple in our society in which they will always be like the leading brand yeah you know the, my other thoughts about basel was i thought that ak made some insane stuff they made a ladies Royal Oak concept flying Turbion, which that's just a situation where a watch company goes 150% on a model just to kind of show off the abilities that they have. For sure. And, and they also came out with that purple dial Turbion. Oh, I love Oak. that. I love that so much. Like, and, I mean, they made it extra thin. I like this, like, theme of extra thin, super high complication, but, like, you know, sport watch. It, like, it's just, it's a cool, it's, it's cool, really yeah. cool. It's a cool they combination. They also came out with the titanium and platinum jumbo with the blue dial. Yeah, yeah, the titanium is super interesting looking. And that, I mean, look, I love... Uh, we just got them talking about different color dials that speak to the precious metal or you know some different special unique makeup that's i just think it's cool i like that i like when dial rarity is kind of like linked into the whole watch you know what i mean yeah it's a part of its like value and and staple. yeah i don't really understand the whole frosted royal oak thing i don't get that i don't really i think that AP is a master in finishing, and this whole frosted thing just like, I don't know, I have never seen it in person, so I guess I can't really critique it, but from what I've seen, I'm just not, doesn't really make me like, get all excited to see it, you know? But I know I'm, I'm fairly certain it's limited and hard to get a hold of, so I, I think, you know, each is his own, but... They even made ceramic offshore grand complications in black and white. Really? And the black one is just insanity. It's crazy. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful watch. The white ceramic, I mean, that, that thing will probably sell out in summer. Everyone will just buy up buy up all the whites. That's amazing. I, I'm not, I never seen like an actual frosted AP before. I'm not a huge diamond guy on my watches so i can't well no 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 no. frosted is the finish not, oh. i'm not talking about diamonds gotcha that makes sense no, no, no. Frosted, yeah. yeah frosted is this weird this new yeah where they uh, like speckle different like texturing yeah exactly. yeah, yeah yeah i've seen them do that yeah sorry i've been listening to too much rap music apparently <laughs> yeah seriously no, yeah, no, I've seen that on their Instagram stuff. And in a lot of videos, they show how they speculate. Yeah. I think Bukhari did the coolest stuff, though, man. They, uh, the, the watch they made is just so cool. It's so cool, and it's awesome that it gets really, really highly complicated. Yeah, I love, again, I can't, I can't stop thinking about the AP complicated, you know, movement that's thinner, and it's a sore watch, and it, and it makes it so different and unique, you know, like, I, the Royal Oak has been around for a minute, and as amazing and unique and beautiful the watch is, like, how they innovate it to make it even more unique and beautiful, like, yeah. makes me want it even more, like, whether it be not that version, but the Royal Oak in general, either or, it just, it makes it a staple more, you know, it, it refreshes it, I love it. I agree. That purple, yeah, I mean Rolex also is releasing a new 36 millimeter watch. I'm not really sure what. I mean, I don't know. 
how like how much can you really change in my opinion it's kind of like I don't know they're selling a 36 millimeter oyster datejust for ten thousand nine hundred dollars two tone that's crazy I mean I can't understand that 36 millimeters 10 grand come on man seriously it's it's insane the price point so they also are releasing a brand new 31 millimeter which that's actually good a lot there's a lot of demand for mid-size president oh wow that's cool okay all right that's kind of cool so they're coming out with a mid-size president so that's going to take over the 26 millimeter president for lady oh really Oh yeah. There's a lot of people. A lot of ladies want the 31. Yeah, the 31 is a watch that's just cannot be found for cheap anywhere. But I think the more important thing is that you're gonna see the all the lady like like six nine one six three six nine one seven three. All these like earlier models are just gonna dissipate. Two tone and uh, president models. Gotcha, gotcha. That's really cool. I didn't hear anything about that actually. It's amazing what they're doing. Not gonna lie to you. I'm literally googling and going through. Ooh, okay. The Daytona <laughs> rose gold. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, it's just just like too much going on. Yeah, you think so? Too much. It's just, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's not even like, honestly, if you took the diamonds off and you just stayed away from rose gold, I hate ever rose gold. I think that's what I learned this year. Yeah, from the GMT release. It sucks. It's disgusting. It is a gross color. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. They're doing a new model Deep Sea. I didn't know that. That's awesome. The Deep Sea is a watch that I like. I don't understand how people can wear it because it is just ridiculous. It's just too big to even like comprehend. It's a hefty watch, man. I've, I've seen... Like a couple of bigger dudes, you know. You know me. I'm a skinny, lanky guy. I've seen a couple of bigger dudes exactly pull it off. A 36 millimeter case on top of a GMT two. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it's like a bad. block. Yeah. Like you could, you could seriously hurt someone with that. I think. It's a defense weapon. If you weapon. took it off and just threw it at someone's head, I think you're gonna do some damage. Like. That should be Rolex's yeah. new campaign. Like self defense and a watch. Yeah, Everose is just, I don't, I mean, okay, the two-tone Everose GMT Master 2 might look cool. It might. But honestly, I don't get why they wouldn't put that on a Jubilee. That would actually be cool on a Jubilee, I think. Yeah, yeah I was surprised. That, like, I don't think I, I don't think I like it in an Oyster bracelet. Now, in all gold, it's just too much brown. Brown and black is not a cool combination, in my opinion. I don't like that. That's I like think they should have fashion made 101. The, they should have made the uh, numbers on the bezel white and black. Like, they should have done something there with the colors. Yeah, it almost seemed like they designed it and they kind of like stopped once they got to like the numbers and the dial. You know, they're like, we're just going to keep the same. Seem like unfinished. Yeah. And I'll, okay, the hands should not be rose gold. I don't know who made that choice. That was a bad idea. In my opinion. <laughs> they should make the hands just plain steel. Or make them white gold. If you want to be fancy, make them white gold. Make them white gold hands. So it's hard to get them. You can't get it, you know? Yeah. Make your GMT hand a different color. I'm pretty sure they did that on a, a lot of models. They made it red, right? What happened to that? And then fill in your bezel. Yeah, they really should and have filled in that bezel. 
That would have made it look so much nicer. Yeah. And like, yeah, the, the hands look kind of... I don't think anyone's going to see the, any of these watches for so long. I mean, it doesn't even really matter. I don't know when I'll see either of these. I'm hoping I get lucky and just see one soon. Just to be able to like see it and hold it and look at it, you know? Yeah, I, I really want to see it in person. I want to see the two tones and see how it looks. Well, the Solid Link Jubilee is probably really, really nice. I like the new style clasp on the Jubilee. That's pretty tight. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like uh, an innovation, whether it should have been made or not, which is, you know, the yeah. debate of if it's the right choice or not. I mean, you gotta do everything, I think. I didn't even look at Omega. Do you know what Omega did? Omega came out with a 1940s, like, Seamaster edition, and, uh, oof. Epsilon, Apollo. In the, wow. 1948 Limited. What's the size of that thing? 40? No way. No. They re and Omega also came out with the, the, a new a version model. of the 300. That's a great model to redo, though, with coaxial. Yeah. Holy dude, that's going to be a sick watch. It's about 8K, though. For Sapphire. The, what? Yeah, for the limited edition. 8,000? No, 8K, not 80. Yeah. It's in steel, isn't it? Yeah. Dude, people are on drugs, man. Because it's like a limited edition. I mean, that's what they're doing. No, no, no. Dude, it's time only. There's what? no date, is there? No, I don't think so. Dude, no, no, no. I think that's kind of craziness, but... Did you ever see the Omega Olympic game watches? No, like the Olympic, like um, Olympic games, and they oh, did like, like different colors. Michael Phillips. Think I don't know. I'm trying to look up. I've seen the Michael Phillips one. Where they're literally different colors, like they're the blue, the yellow, the black, the green, the red, and it looks like a stopwatch. Really? Yeah, you should huh. you should look those, those up. You have time. They're they're interesting pieces. I don't know. I will. Well, I think that's all of my thoughts for uh, Basel. Yeah, it was an interesting year. I uh, I'm interested to see what happens next year and how they recoup or reorganize or what. Um, yeah. That kind of leads me to like. All the confusion in the watch market right now and what's going on in bezel world and every, everything <clears throat> to kind of ask the question which i think is really interesting given that this this whole content and podcast is really generated towards not only the watch enthusiast but also the person coming into watches for the very first time um given the fact that i'm a, a college kid and, and fairly new to watches myself if you had $250 to spend on a watch right now, and you're brand new to watches, what would you spend on? Um, I don't know. I mean, $250 is something where... I think it's important to appreciate what you're buying and I think at $250 it's going to be hard to buy anything that you really appreciate so by $250 I would wait until I had like $1,000 then when I had $1,000 I would just go buy uh, I'd try to buy like a date like a Rolex date a 1505 or a Air King or a just a just a simple Rolex or yeah I mean I would invest in a simple Rolex because the more I think about this question I remember we were talking about this previously Andrew and I kind of like was like well get you know something you'll like I mean 
if you're going to get into watches and you're really interested in it, I think you should put your, you know, hard-earned money into something that, at worst, you're going to, you know, take a 5% hit or 10% hit. If you really are savvy with the model that you're purchasing and you know, you know, what a good buy is, you should be able to do that. So, Rolexes just always seem to consistently go up in value. Every model, unless, you know, it's something that just doesn't offer a lot of watch, which there are models like that. Um, for instance, in my opinion, I believe like the Cellini to kind of be one of those watches, you know? The Cellini is not treated well in the gray market. It's not, you know, the retail value versus what the second secondary market uh, does with the Cellini is, is very different in my experience. So. I think that you should buy something you really like, but I think you should also just be savvy with what you're buying so that you don't get hurt financially and you can be excited about your watch and hopefully it, you know, triples in value when you're done enjoying it for a year or two. Um, I think that, you know, Hewer is also a fairly easy brand to get a good understanding of and there's a lot of great resources like On The Dash and, you know, uh, Omega forums and there's Facebook groups and there's a lot a big community online of people that you can reach out to to learn and Hewer is an up-and-coming brand that you know every year has shown massive improvements in value and I know everyone likes to you know say bubble bubble you know what goes up must come down but I think what's important is to stress the fact that no matter what you buy be savvy with the market. Know what the last five of them sold for that sold. You have access to that information and you can find it, but it's not easy and sometimes you have to really do some digging and you have to read a lot about the offerings to get a good comparison. And you have to know the model so that you know the caliber matches the production year of the case serial that matches the dial and the you know just everything top to bottom. So. That's my answer to that question. That's I think, for sure. Uh, that's, I think that's one of the smartest answers to that question there is. Mostly coming from a kid who got his first affordable watch and went sprinting and buying affordable watches like crazy. You know, just I was like, watches, these are amazing. Let me get as many as I can afford, you know? And instead, I didn't calm down, think about the market itself, and think about what was the best purchase for my money. I just bought and bought, you know, and bought whatever I could quote unquote afford at the time. Well, so, I do want to, I do want to stress, like, it's not really about buying an expensive watch. No, as no. much it's just like, in my personal opinion, what really pulled me into watches was the culture of perfection with Rolex, and I wanted to just be a part of that, and I liked it. So, like. Granted, not everyone can buy a $1,000 watch, I understand that, but you absolutely can, you know, make the decision to save until you can buy, you know, an $800 Cartier or, I don't know, the point is, is you, you appreciate brands that, you know, you really want to buy, and if you fall in love with certain vintage models, you know, there's just nothing like it. Like, there's just nothing like a vintage Rolex 5513. There's just not, in my opinion, I don't really think there's a lot of other watches that even kind of compare to that cool, just aesthetic and how the dials are made and the things you're looking at. It's just, uh, you know, it's in a class of its own. So if that's what you get into, then really, you know, know what you're getting into and then just make sure that you feel good about it. You know, I guess that's yeah. really what the message is, is whatever you get into, I just, I hate when, I hate to see people who just get in, and I'm, I'm someone who's like this, and it was very discouraging. You know, if you don't do your research and your homework, you're gonna lose a lot of money. And when you lose a lot of money, it becomes a lot less fun to learn about watches and, you know, that's when it's not, you know, it's not an enjoyable yeah. thing. So just dodge that whole situation and, you know, really understand what you're investing in and what you're buying into and what the value is in this little timekeeping mechanism and 
and then you'll enjoy it. You know, you'll you'll really enjoy it. It'll be an asset, and it'll be something you can wear and enjoy, and a good talking point. But then you're crazy. You love watches. Yeah. And then you're weird, and you sit in your room and the watches all the time. Um, you become an introvert, and life goes downhill very quick. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our lives. Flash, Get into watches. Flashback five years later, you have a lot of paddocks, no friends. No friends. <laughs> no friends. Just, it's just Instagram friends, that's what it is. Oh my gosh! No, that's it's a it's a great answer to that because I've I've definitely been in the shoes of the guy on the other side of of who had the two hundred fifty dollars and bought the first watch he kind of saw, and as as much as I don't regret it and love all my pieces I have and enjoyed the ride of having them, I have zero value on almost all my watches. That's just it. They're value to me, and I love them. But there's no market value, and if I took the moment and thought about like, oh, what, what the meaning and stuff behind it, and and thought honestly about it, you know, and, and grab that patience, I would I would have a, a better piece and not a bunch of affordable pieces. Maybe I, I don't even want to use the word affordable. You know, I mean. Like I said, whatever you fall in love with, I just happened to fall in love with Rolex. I don't know why. It just no, kind of yeah. went that way. So to me, there was really no other place to start besides on a date just. And no, I, I just kind of was like, you know what? I, I really want to get into this. This is awesome. So again, like everyone's drawn to something different. You know, there's guys who are just like you who love all those watches. That's great. That's good. Look, if you're putting something on your wrist, that's a great thing for everybody. So, you know, it's as long as it's something that you get that exciting, you know, feeling of collecting and buying and talking to people and being a part of the community, then I think you're getting the full experience. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's more the fact that I'm saying like, like make sure. That's the other thing. Your taste will change so many times. It's like anything, like. Just any anything you do, like one year you're gonna be super into this, the next year you'll be super into that. You know, I, I feel like I jump from brand to brand that I get like really, really crazy into. Um, you know, Rolex is like always, always, always something I'm like striving to learn and know more about. But you know, Bulgari, like I am probably gonna go read a bunch about them because it's just it's super interesting that they made such a thin watch and a minute repeater and. You know, I would just be interested in hearing what values are and just what's going on. So, point is, like, you're never going to be just one type of, you know, collector. You always kind of jump around and change, but don't get hung up on monetary value. That's that's not the point. I no, mean, yeah, I totally agree. It's more of what I was really trying to get at is the the, the patience of looking at every option. Like, just because right. you have $250 right now doesn't mean you can't save and buy something a little more in the future. Because you might be looking at your collection and you're like, wow, I could literally have, like, a Rolex GMT, but I have 25 watches instead. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of my point. Is like, look for the future as well. Like, look in every direction you can before you make that purchase. You know, whether you want that hundred dollar watch is fine but make sure you look into the future that you can take that hundred and turn it into something else yeah yeah i just i really like having the ability to, to offer an asset on top of giving someone a great watch yeah yeah it's yeah you know what i'm saying like, like it's almost like being a used car salesman and just really, really, really wanting to give everybody the best car with, you know, the work done properly and all the right parts in the right places and, you know, some like serious high quality mechanic work and it's all original and perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a, 
I had such a meaningful experience when that happens, you know? Like, it's then, then later on down the road, it feels better, I think, personally. Exactly, and it doesn't scare you off from wanting to continue to collect. I mean, there's nothing better than having someone buy a watch from you, wear it for a year, and then sell it and be like, I got my money back. Like, that's or, or, you know, I lost a couple hundred bucks, but like, you know what? I can, you know, I don't dictate the market, or maybe you make a couple hundred bucks. It can go anyway, you know, yeah. up, down. Depending and that's, on whatever and that's such a better it. feeling than being in a position where it's like, oh, I spent five hundred oh bucks. Lost like four thousand dollars on yeah. this watch, or like I just lost eight thousand, or I just lost fifteen thousand, or you know, I mean, whatever I, the situation may be. Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely been in a position where I've I've bought one of those watches where I was going on that sprint, you know, of loving watches, and again, don't regret that, but. I've gone on that sprint, bought a watch that was like five hundred dollars and has zero return. I mean, zero, nothing. Right. None. Right. That was that was money down the drain. You know, at the time where I was just an impatient, love obsessed, which is fine. But if I had the ideology to look further, and I think that would be, which I really want people to to you know be aware of for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, you're uh, you've been in the business a, f- a few more years than me. You know, I'm I'm just getting started out. What what got you into this watch business, this watch hobby, this watch love of ours? Um. Well, I was gifted a watch at the age of 16, so I won one a lot, and then. In college, I just fell in love with antiques and vintage signs and vintage jewelry and, um, you know, early, like, signed Cartier, like, just cool, weird relics. Um, And then I got into watches through being in a position where I had to um, for my occupation, I had to pick like a thing I wanted to specialize in, and the company at the time didn't deal in watches, so I figured, you know what, it's small, it's easy, I like them, I wear them, it's interesting, it's very mechanical, and there's, you know, things need to be done a certain way, which I like, and there's consistency in serial numbers, so I picked it up quick, and I've always kind of been a wheeler-dealer, hustler-type person, you know, ever since I was a little kid, so... It all just kind of fell into place. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's that. That's awesome. What, uh, what kind of watches did, you, watches did you buy for the auction house? I didn't buy anything for them. I would basically just call collectors and ask them to allow me to offer them to our buying audience. And through that, I met a lot of collectors and met a lot of dealers. I went to hundreds of trade shows and I really built a network that, you know, I reach out to and do business with and yeah, it's all good. That's amazing. So, that must have been a really cool experience to like work in that field. Well, it was a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. I mean, you know, I'm 22 years old and uh, yeah, you know, I'm just doing things a little bit, bit differently than a lot of people my age, I feel like, so. Yeah. But uh, I've enjoyed it, and it's been super uh, fruitful, and I got my love of watches through the whole experience, so the hard work is definitely paying off, and, you know, it's a blessing to be able to do something you're also, also very passionate about. That's definitely something I'm very, very, very thankful for. Yeah, so. I mean, you definitely see it paying off in your... In your online content, you really, you really push the love of, of every single watch and the watch brand out there, and it's great to see. You know, I love I love seeing that. Like you know, we're 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 farther in age, but close as well to the fact that I see someone in that age gate loving watches and pursuing the career. You know, and and those are the type of people that will will mold the industry later. So I'm, I'm very excited to see where you are, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, shaping the industry as we know it. Yeah, hopefully I make it. Hopefully I make it. I don't know. We'll see. I have no we'll doubt. See. I have no doubt. But 
Speaking of down the line in years, uh, where do you see yourself in about like five years? Where do you see MP Watch in five years? Well, MP Watch will be a part of Matthew Green Jewelers. It will be the largest pre-owned watch distributors in the country. So five years from now, that's pretty much what's going to happen. I want it's to see just, it. I want to see it everywhere, man. I want to chop that down to like two years, but <laughs> all right, yeah, I'm gonna write it down right now. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I mean, oh, yeah, no, I, I love where I'm at. I have, I'm, you know, being treated like gold. I can't ask for a better situation. Things are awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Maybe in all years. seriousness, five years. I mean, I hope, hopefully, things are, you know. Just how they are right now, honestly. Yeah. Nothing, nothing needs to change. Everything's great, so. I love it. I love it. Well, I have another question. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm pretty new to watches. I'm fairly fairly new. Been into them for about a year, maybe two years now. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that you know confuse me at the start. Confuse me still. Um, and I want to ask, like, what was the one thing that really confused you the most as a new watch collector, <laughs> as a new watch lover, as a new watch enthusiast? You know, for me, for me, it's really hard to wrap my head around like one of, the, one of the funniest things was I, for so long, did not know what full set was. <laughs> gotcha. Full set. I was like, does that mean the date and the day switch at the same time? I was like, is that like a thing with just date dates? Because a friend of mine gave, uh, wanted to give me a. I was negotiating with him for him to give me a Rolex 1803, but it was mint condition, perfect, and it was a solid gold presidential watch, and it, uh, you know. I think he wanted like $17,000 for it or something. And he's like, dude, it's, it's a full set. It's really nice. And I'm like, what the hell is a full set? Like, I'm the whole time I'm like not understanding. <laughs> and then like a month later, I'm like, really? I actually sold the watch for him. I sold it. And I was like, dude, what in the heck is a full set? Can you tell me? He's like, dude, it means it's got the box, the papers, and everything with it. <laughs> oh, man. So that I was like that you were like, does it mean day and day? I don't know. I, I mean, that. honestly, the other most confusing things were probably like the different mark dials for like the anniversary Submariners, the 5513s, the 1680s, the Sea Dwellers, the just the double red Sea Dwellers, the, you know, inverted six Daytona, the you know, Zenith model, the, I mean, there's just so many vintage pieces within Rolex that are just like a whole different world outside of whatever else you're focusing on with the watch, you know, the stealth dials, there's a lot of rare Datejust dials, um, you know, plus, you know, just looking at, you know, factory settings that's a whole other thing you know factory set bezels how to tell if they're perfect or not how to tell because there's a massive difference in value between a factory diamond set bezel and an aftermarket one like a huge huge difference so all those little nuances are very confusing and difficult and there's there's words and stuff that i learn every single day that like are just slang for certain situations on different types of dials, you know? So... Yeah, and I, I want to, like... That's what, makes it, that's what makes it really fun, you know? Yeah. It's... Like, I recently learned what a Buckley dial was. I didn't really fully understand it. And uh, I finally got, you know, taught what a Buckley dial is. What's a Buckley so, dial? So a Buckley dial is a dial that features um, painted Roman numerals with a white dial, I believe. I believe it. It's a white dial background, and it's got like minute hashes, and then it's painted on 
oh, sorry, not enamel, painted on Roman numeral uh, hour markers. Oh, okay, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's a specific one. Um, actually, I'm pretty sure the vintage ones kind of have like an outer minute track and they have loom plots, but it's the black Roman numerals and then it's just, you know, a different... It's a very iconic watch as far as the hands and the outer minute track. Once you see it, you're like, boom, Buckley dial. But it is a white background. I think there also are blue ones and maybe like gray or champagne, but they're, you know, very, very rare. So I don't think it's just white. It might be a couple different colors. But anyways, the point is, there's words within the watch world that, you know, everybody is learning all the time, and it's, it's awesome to always be a student and always have the opportunity to learn something, because that's what keeps it exciting, you know? No two days are the same, no two day, days do we not learn anything, and, um, you know, that's important. With an occupation, you gotta be excited. That's so true. I mean, what I want to throw out, like, what would you recommend to someone who's who's brand new, doesn't know what you know full set and patina even mean, and they're and they're going in. Where would you recommend they find this information? Whether it be YouTube forums, uh, Instagram. What do you think? Seriously, you just you just said like the three things I would recommend, gotcha. like. I really feel I immerse myself in watches on a daily basis between looking at Instagram, um, following like tons and tons of dealers and watching their Instagram stories, what they're trying to sell stuff at. You know, I'm constantly, constantly searching on eBay, Chrono24, live auctioneers, valuable auctions, you know, all the major auction houses, Phillips, Antiquorum, Schmitz. All the places that are selling important watches, I keep track of. I get their emails, their newsletters. Um, you know, I follow Watch Time magazine. I I try to be active on forums. I think forums are a really great place to start, but sometimes forums are just better as a resource to learn and read. You don't really need to interact with people. You can just read, 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 and just understand things. But uh, forums are great once you kind of have a little bit of knowledge and you want to just meet people and talk. Otherwise, they can be kind of hard on you. But I think a combination of all of those things, if you really immerse yourself, that's what's going to put yourself in a position to know it. But you won't ever do that unless you love it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, you won't ever naturally put yourself through the full uh, immersion unless you uh, really want to, you know, so I think that kind of stuff just happens, you know, you either do it or you don't. Yeah, it kind of comes with like, that spark of passion, you know, you, you get that fire underneath your ass and you it just happens, like, it's just a, a tumble of the dominoes and then you're, all you're looking at is watches and every social media aspect you can look at yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't get away from it. You know, going, going Facebook. You know, Twitter, Tumblr, any, any, anything that is a social media platform. You'll see a watch. It's the first thing you see. Yeah. Gotta love it. Yeah, it makes us the weird watch enthusiasts that we are. I kind of think I'm like a cool watch enthusiast. Uh, so. This is weird. This is awkward. I'm, I'm the weird one. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is funny, uh, how, like, I don't know, how different I talk to a watch person versus just a family member or someone who doesn't really know me. Yeah, it's like, it's, I love it, like, it's, it's a, if, if a watch guy, like, walks up to your street, you know, on, on the street, instant connection, in, instant friendship, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You, just, you just start like rattling off watches. Yeah, well, you never know. 
I remember I was uh, in a, like, a luxury store. Like my first time I remember being in like a luxury watch store. And I was wearing, you know, my SKX 007, my trusty Seiko. And I was, you know, I was just being that quiet, awkward kid in the corner, you know, looking at watches. No one was like helping me because I was young at the time. And, you know, no one expects a kid to go buy a Rolex or something. And a guy in there who's wearing like a sub at the time walks up to me and goes, dude, nice watch, man. I wear that, I wear that my uh, 007 all the time. And it was like the best feeling of like equalization of each other, you know? You're just two watch guys loving watches. It didn't matter if you're wearing a sub or a 007. It was such an equal playing field. It was probably my fondest moments of becoming a watch geek. Yeah, I don't have many watch geek moments like that, but I will say. I feel like you need to try to like passionate music like, behind that. Probably my, if I could say there was a moment that was even close to that, I was sitting on a first class flight back from Las Vegas, Nevada, and the guy sitting in the chair in front of me was wearing an extremely rare and hard to find sapphire baguette set white gold Rolex with a blue lapis diamond dial and I remember just being like that guy must have no idea what he's wearing like like that's just a very 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 rare rare watch that I just could not believe he was wearing out in the open so that was a moment where I was kind of like whoa and I complimented him on it and he seriously no joke. He turned to me and he said, my mother bought this for me on my 23rd birthday. I don't know anything about it. Wow. Meanwhile, it's one of the rarest and most sought-after Daytona references with factory sapphire baguette set bezel. Just an incredible watch. What? Well, anyways... This interview has been awesome, and I just oh, want to yeah. thank you for having me on here. And I want to thank everyone who took the time out of their day to listen and spare their ear. <laughs> yes, I really appreciate it. Hey, Keep making these, man. This is awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing more. And follow me on Instagram, at NPWatch.